Welcome to Notch's Pretty Pictures. I'm Eric Rutherford. Today we will be chatting with Jocelyn DeFries, actress and trans activist, about the story she wrote for us, The Status Quo, where she talks about coming out in her Nebraska high school, embracing her true identity as a trans woman, and personally redefining her embrace of both her masculinity and femininity as an adult. If you haven't yet heard the reading in the last episode, I would recommend listening to it because not only do we talk about it in this conversation, but also because she's an incredible writer and storyteller. You know, when I came up with this idea for not just pretty pictures in this podcast and to really focus on stories and sharing our stories, I knew that I wanted to include my friends in this and people that I looked up to and because I, I know that I've learned from my friends. You know, and I, I feel we learn from each other and we learn from our experiences. But if we keep those stories to ourselves, no one ever gets the opportunity and to learn about just us as a person, but also as the lives we left or to learn about the life behind the pretty picture. Right. You know, when I was thinking about you and I wanted to reach out to you, it's, you know, we talked when we were on set, you know, a little, and I got to hear a little about your story and certainly following you and everything. And when you said yes to sharing your story, I was so excited. And then I began to wonder, what is she going to write about? What is she going to put? What words are she going to put down on paper and share with us? And when you came back with status quo, I was so wonderfully surprised. And I might've even given a little cheer because one, no one has talked about that yet in this and to hear it from your experience it was great so let's just jump in tell me why you wanted to write about status quo i mean am- amazingly enough like i went through and i looked at all the examples and it's you know i was like oh these all of these things and i'm like what is the most empowered piece right now because that's like the piece i'm really trying to step into for myself is like how do i empower this because so much of what m- mainstream that you know the pretty pictures is about, okay, conforming, becoming this, doing this. And none of that feels empowering to me. All of that feels stifling. It feels suffocating. And it's, but when I saw, you know, I mean, the thing that always comes back to me is like shunning the status quo, but, you know, going at it, like, it's like, yeah, because that's really the way that, you know, and sure, there are things that, I, I mean, I feel an incredible amount of pressure to follow the status quo, to live by it, to make it. And, and for so long, like I put in this essay, the, that's what I was taught to do and never has it brought me any happiness. That, what you just said, that it never having brought you any happiness. I mean, that's reason enough to do it, but so, so few of us, or it takes a lot for you to kind of write, to let go of that or to think they're going to break it. What for you though, it's like you said, you know, you grew up in Nebraska you know, which I, which I love. And I love you talking about it. And you, from what you're saying, it's like, you were out at a very young age. Yeah. It's so, I really look at it. Like I'm like, it's an isolated incident because there is no, I mean, there wasn't anyone for a few years after me at my all guys Catholic high school that came out. Um, I mean, fun fact, I also went to an all guys Catholic boarding school for my freshman year, but I just couldn't like, (laughs) (laughs) it's so amazing like it's like I'm just honestly I'm so grateful for this journey but it's I I came out but it was like people were accepting that I was out 
because of exactly what I said. And this is because you're like, Deferis, you're cool because you don't act gay. You know, it's like, okay, yay. <laughs> you know, I'm yay like, for me, right. Yeah. And so it was like, yeah, or it was more like, yeah, you know, right, like right, I was just dude, like, yeah. oh yeah, give me the beer, dude. You know, and it's like I, I spent my whole life in that fear. You know, I spent my whole life in that fear, and it was like I came out and it was like I, I actually was. I had this conversation with my childhood best friend, um, the person that I came out to um, in the essay that I said I was on acid, and oh, she's yes. still one of my yeah, she's still one of my best friends. And she lives in Nebraska. And I was, she was like, I don't know how the hell we had the energy to navigate this at 16 years old. To be going through and being like, oh, no, we got to come out to, you know, so-and-so. So that way, you know, you can take this girl out and you'll become more popular. I mean, it was like, I did it. And it was survival. Right. It was like, I mean, it sounds so superficial and fake and high school, but it's like, I think about why high schoolers are superficial and fake and doing all this bullshit. Because it, it feels like I will die. Yeah. You know? And, if you don't, and, if you don't and, act a certain way, behave a certain way, dress a certain way, whatever, again, it's, which is insane. Well, well, stick to the status quo. What is cool? What is acceptable? Mm-hmm. You know, right. what? So you, and you were doing it and you, you know, again, that's why, that's why too, I love when you focus on the status quo. So you come out young for for some, right. I came out young as well. I came out to my parents when I was 15, it did not go well, Uh, but that's a whole other story. Um, So I did that, you know, you came out young and you did it. I love that you did it to very proudly and openly you know um weren't you in like your your religious class or something or yeah yeah moral values moral, moral values, values right yeah which again like status quo like you're really upending the status quo of moral values right but again i love that there's to me i find humor in it and also quite the dramatic effect oh absolutely i mean high drama oh, right big big <laughs> But then, you know, so you're doing that. And then you said you go through your journey and you get to the point where like, well, no, I'm, this isn't how I'm identifying. Right. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not that I'm, I am transgender. It's like, so you, now you begin to shift out of what it means to be gay and shift in then what it means to be that. And will you talk about that? Because again, I, I've never heard someone describe and I'll, I'll say I'll call, say it as a struggle because of what you went through in the sense of someone who transitions and then goes, well, wait a minute, there's a part of me that I don't want to let go. Will you talk about that a little, like what you went through and like that process? It is, um, it's, it's, you know, and I, I, cause I, I share my experiences with my trans girlfriends all the time. And, you know, because for me, I really do, you know, many, many trans women are like, I, you know, I didn't become trans. I I was a girl as a child. I was just, you know, identified male at birth. But like, for me, very much, like I socially was conditioned as a boy. Mm -hmm. I desperately, desperately wanted to be a boy. I wanted to make it work. I just wasn't. Like, that's the piece. I just, that's not who I was on the, like, on the inside, on the, at my core, I was this feminine spirit. I was, that was who, 
anytime I would play pretend, it was a female role. And then it was like, and then the world said, oh, that's not true. But so when I, you know, I idolize John F. Kennedy, I idolize, you know, Brad Pitt, all these guys who are like, you know, the epitome of masculinity and good looking. And, you know, I thought, okay, if I can look a certain way, act a certain way. And of course, I'm drawn to theater and acting because I can make myself this. I can fit that mold. And then when I started medically transitioning, I mean, first of all, to me, when I, some of my trans girlfriends will say, you know, like for, they felt like that, oh, it wasn't to medically transition. It was like, they didn't feel like they were giving up a lot. Mm-hmm. For me, I felt like I was going from this place, you know, and I, 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 I have a lot of privilege. Like I had white privilege. I had financial privilege. I had um, education, like all of these, these different aspects of being like identified by society as a cis white male that had financial means. And I was like, oh, I'm going to give all of this. And I watched family friends. I watched friends from high school, everyone who was okay with, you know, Jason DeFreeze being gay, all of a sudden was like, ah, and it wasn't like, I want, I mean, it was, <laughs> it, it was a very, very painful process and terrifying because I was like, there's no other way I, I would beg a therapist. I'm like, I don't want this to be true. Mm. I don't want medical transition. I don't want to be stared at on the street. I don't want to, you know, because I had all my preconceived notions from Jerry Springer, uh, Ricky Lake, and, you know, Phil Donahue, all the way back. And and it's like all of those preconceived ideas that I had been put into my head that were like, this is, this is something bad. Right. This is a freak. This is this. So then to go through medical transition and then essentially being told by the medical establishment and what it was like the standards of care that were for trans people in 2005 were okay you have to present fe- present female whatever the can i swear on this yes or, of like, course I, yes, yeah. yes okay i'm like like i said in my essay fuck is my favorite word like whatever the fuck that means to present female like re and they call that real life experience and real life experience as a trans person to show that you could cut it or something i mean it was so and those standards of care have completely shifted but it was jump through this hoop do this do this tell the doctors what they want to hear and i went i i actually because my family they were support i went to a program for human sexuality at the university of minnesota that was like progressive for the time so Mm -hmm. it wasn't so strict but still it was very like I knew I was I was the examples in the books was I had to subscribe to this ideal of femininity well well also I mean kind of even going to what you're talking about Jocelyn is their idea their status quo of what they felt you someone who was had transitioned you were supposed to behave like this is what was going to make you acceptable 
because of what they thought. It had nothing, it had less to do with you. Well, no, I mean, like that's, that is the, I mean, it's because like my, my brain is like, well, even who I wanted to be, you know, who I felt, I didn't know who the hell I was. Mm-hmm. That's the true piece. So, so much of it was like, okay, I saw John F. Kennedy as a kid. I saw uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, all these people that were like, I, I wanted to be them because I saw them as being approved of by society. It's like, what kid even knows who the hell they are? Because all we're, and I mean, poor, I honestly, and it's like where we are today with this, I love that, you know, you with your platform that you have are doing this and giving this message because so much of social media is like, how many likes do we have? Oh my God, if I don't have enough likes, I'm not this, I'm not X, I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, I'm not this. And it's just like, it's so, it saddens me so much. Me too. Because I don't want to, you know, God, I don't want to be getting my value from everyone else. No. Well, listen, again, that's also too, one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast is, you know, you and I have talked, again, I think sharing our, our stories, right? You know, yes, I, you, you and me both, I love a pretty picture. Yeah. Right. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Oh, oh absolutely. Right. You know, again, it's, and also to your point, though, it's, you know, that pretty picture, there's always a story behind it. And it's not necessarily how you interpret that story. It's that person's experience. It's their interpretation. To your point, it's what they believe is their status quo. Like what works for them? What works for you? You know, and again, that's it's why I wanted to have all of my friends, a very diverse, inclusive group of friends be a part of this because I, I still have, I have family, friends, coworkers. I still have people that I said, listen, my mom only a few Christmases ago said I was the first gay person that they had ever met. Oh yeah. Which blew my fucking mind just to put it that. Uh, yeah. But again, I love her. She's amazing. And I love that she was so op- honest and open about it, but I have friends. I have family that they've never met someone who's trans. Oh, Eric, if I could, if I had a dollar for every person that I have met over the past 20 years that it said, I've, you know, you're the first trans person I ever met. Or, I mean, here's the, here's the real one is you're not what, like, I expected a trans person to be like. And I'm like, what the (laughs) fuck? What, what did you expect me to be like? You know, I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous, but that's the piece. And I, I have compassion and patience for that because of what my mindset was sure sure and what how terrified i was of trans as a kid and so i'm like okay well if i was you know i knew nothing about trans when i came to the realization and so i have to have patience for other people the problem is that um you know you see people just unwilling to learn Mm, you know, yes. unwilling to change. I just, for one second, Jocelyn, I want to ask you, and I, I hesitated Please. doing this just every, cause I wanted to focus on you, you know, but I, this yeah. is, you know, in our story and, you know, just talking about people who've never met someone who's trans or have empathy or understanding. And, you know, you just talked about that and, you know, what's going, been going on the last few weeks with all these anti-trans bills, anti-LGBTQIA right. bills. What are you experiencing right now? What, how do you feel about this? And why do you think all of a sudden this is 
another a drum beat that is driving people to do this you know certainly you know I, I want I would love to hear what you think about it honestly it's uh it's over like it's really overwhelming it's really overwhelming it's really scary I know how hard it was for me to come to terms with myself and what it was gonna mean to be othered to to feel outside of I mean I always felt outside of but then when it was like okay I'm gonna go through and I'm gonna be honest with the world who I am and that's supposed to be empowering but wait the people who are making laws to protect me are saying no like they are saying no to this that I don't deserve these rights I don't deserve safety I don't deserve you know uh, medical treatment and it's like I, I just, I, it really, it saddens me. It's like, it brought up a lot of tears just I'm sure. because I'm like, how, how is this happening? How is this happening when we've, we've come so far and then yet it's like, there it is. It's reality check. Yeah. It's a reality check. And, um, it's, it's really exhausting. I found myself like, okay, how, how much can I, I speak up and how much can I do? And it's like, okay, how, how can I take care of me right now? Yeah. Well, I think that's, listen, I, I wanted to hear your opinion because you are my friend and I care about you. And, and I, I've may have thrown a few things when I saw these things happening and, you know, and it just is, it, it is mind blowing to me again, where we, we are in the year that we are and what we've been through, particularly in the last year. And to me, to me, the driving thing, and we talk about this, it's that, that sense of empathy that sense of empathy of what someone might be going through and that are, that is other than what your, you might look like or what your life might look like. So within yourself to have empathy or, or look to want to help other people. And that's why there's none of this makes sense. And again, I understand it's, it's driven by fear. It's driven by power. It's driven by a status quo because people feel the status quo is being upended. Mm -hmm. Everything what you're saying, and this is kind of what I wrote to you in our email was, this is exactly, this is, I've been going through this, you giving me the incentive to write something, right? To sit down and write and to think about this. I was in California with my family and I was like, everyone had just been vaccinated. So we were all together and I'm sitting here writing on the living room floor on my computer. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my, and, you know, like, and it was so... It was just a reminder of this is why I need to tell my story. This is not, and this is why I just need to be a story, like just a storyteller, continue writing, continue writing, regardless of anything, but just to get it out and to share it. And if it's with a friend, if it's, you know, however, it is so important to me to just be putting, uh, using my voice. Sometimes that's that's the most activism I can yes. do is just speak up, just speak. Well, I listen. I agree with that, and one, I and I love you for it. I love you for it, and I love that it's come at the right at the same time. Again, you talking about the journey that kind of a journey that you've really refocused yourself on that and growing and evolving yourself. And I, again, that's why I think it's so valuable, even if it's sharing a story with one other person because that one other person certainly can become two and that two can become before. And then suddenly you've connected all these different people, all these different communities, all these different socioeconomic, ethnic, again, it's by just sharing one story. And, you know, I, I want to quickly go back to, to talking about, cause it's something that I, I've struggled with myself in the sense of what it does it mean to be masculine? 
Right. Certainly, what does it mean to be feminine? And someone else, um, Ryan K. Russell, also, I think I shared with you the story that he wrote had to do with men and dealing with emotion and grief. And, you know, you talk about after, after you transitioned, and again, I've never heard someone talk about this, where it's, it's, it is about that feminine, but wait a minute, but I like the, I like this, right? I like this aspect of, I like, and if this is what is deemed labeled or whatever as masculine, well, yeah, but I, I I want to be all of this because that's all of who I am. Will you just talk about the, tra- you know, you? Yeah, and- I mean, because uh, there were so many things like, you know, if it's, you know, uh, my, like, this design aesthetic. I mean, the, the certain things like that, it was like, oh, what am I supposed to now have a pink bedroom? Like, you know, like, is that what I'm supposed to? Because I still like clean lines and, you know, like, all yeah, just all these things that I'm like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to smell flowery, but oh, wait, I still like, you know, this patchouli. I mean, what, what, all these different things that are like, I, it, it was very, very hard for me to, to let go of uh, the, the structure that I, I had always felt around what was beautiful. What were these things? What, what did I, what do I really like? Mm. And um, part of what I, what the world was telling me to do was to erase that masculinity. Yes. It was uh, erase the masculinity, speak in a softer voice, speak up here, be, be diminutive, be smaller, be okay. Um, don't, don't lead a conversation. Don't use, don't say fuck. Don't do any of this stuff. And I'm like, but those are things I love about myself. I love how loud I am. I love how big I am. And though, and I had to come to that place of acceptance or come to realize, wait, people actually like me more when I'm doing those things. People don't feel an authenticity from me when I'm staying small and speaking like that. You know, it's like, that's not who I am at my core. And coming to a place of like realizing that, I realized that I was happier when I allowed myself to be fuller Mm -hmm. when, and, you know, part of a huge thing that was for me was also, I talked about in the essay doing a short film where I dressed like a guy. So, and I was like, wow, I love this. This feels great. And then I put, you know, I hesitate to go into politics, but around that same time, I played like a Trump supporter and I dressed up and I had like a beard on my face and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, and that, in my acting class, actually, I started playing male characters and doing all these things and being able to use all of the imagination that I got to use as a child and that there was no limit. Mm. And that's what I really want for my gender and my expression. Yes, sometimes I want to be feminine in this or whatever, but honestly, majority of the clothes that I own are all black. Like, that's just like, you know, it's like (laughs) majority of the time I like, you know, uh, androgyny. I, you know, I like having my hair longer. I like, you know, I like makeup. I like those things, but like, I don't like, I like, uh, neutrals, you know, all these things. I like clean lines and that that's just who I am. And being like, oh, I don't have to be, I'm not. I don't have to be hyper feminine. I can be if I want, 
but it's not who I need to be all the time for anyone else. And it's, I mean, Eric, I'm going to be honest with you. This is an ongoing conversation that I'm having with myself in the head, like where I'm like, oh, well, you don't need to, you, okay, Jocelyn, you don't need to make yourself like, who, what do you want to dress? What do you want to wear right now? Right. Who do you want to be? Um, because the, I'll, a lot of times I'm like, oh, I feel the pressure to do this. I feel the pressure to be this. I, listen, I, listen, I feel that way all the time. <laughs> um, but do you, do you feel pressure from tra- the trans community? Do you feel pressure from the queer community? Do you feel pressure just uh, from culturally in general? I mean, there's, it's funny, some of the most pressure I've ever felt I mean, my trans, my trans girlfriends, honestly, are the most accepting people ever. They love, I mean, they know me and especially like my close knit girlfriend. I, I just have to say for the, I just, I'm going to interrupt for a second for everyone who's listening, her trans girlfriends, you guys are rock stars. <laughs> uh, honestly, like I'm like, I, I want to be part of the group because yeah. one, you, one, all just ravishing like you all just shine like superstar you're just there you all have this beauty about you what i also love and get such great joy from is how much you care for each other and how the friendship and the bond that you are there when i see it on social media i see it in real life i see it you guys everyone coming to support i it's just, it's really one of the most beautiful things. It, it really is. And I, sorry to interrupt you, but it, you talking about your, your girlfriends, it, your trans girlfriends, it's, it really, it's to me, it's, I think it's anything that anyone would want. Right. Is the, the, that bond, you know, that you have. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So no, you- no, they are my sisters and they see me and value me for who I am. I never feel any pressure from them. I often, I mean, and the, the pressure that I feel is when it's like, I have had some of the pressure I have felt from gay men um, to be, oh yeah, girl, you need to wear your hair down. You need to like do it. Like, oh yeah, you look so hot when you like have the boobs out. I'm like, what? Like, you know, or show off your body. And it's like, someone once said to me, and this was years ago, and I was really unhealthy when this happened, but some, I was in West Hollywood and a guy came up to me and goes, girl, you're finally LA skinny. And I was like, um, he's like, you look fierce. And I was just like, and I was like, super sick. Like I was like in right. a disease, sick space of mind of restricting. And, and it's like, but there is and honestly, I think that's just symptomatic of everything we're talking about. Right. I agree. Fit in with the status quo, fit in with the status quo. And, you know, and also to get back to your question about where I feel the pressure from, a lot of times I just feel it from like looking when I get lost in my social media, Sure. when, when I feel, uh, you know, fear about my future, when I feel unstable around anything career wise oh should I be this or oh am I too old or am I this and all these things that honestly I'm like at the end of the day I'm 39 years old and I am exactly where I'm supposed to be my life is beyond my wildest dreams like I've the the journey that I've had I'm so freaking lucky I'm so lucky with the stories that I have to tell people and the, and that I have survived it and thrived through it and continue to, and the people that I have in my life, like yourself, that 
I get to have these conversations with and discuss this with and grow with. I also, I, I'm reading, I've been reading all these memoirs because I eventually want to write a memoir. And part of, you know, I, I had this conversation, a text message with a friend, and I was like, I just want to be a student for the rest of my life. I just want to continue to grow and change and learn. You know, to me, listen, that's what keeps you young. People ask me, you know, I'm 53 and they ask me, wait, how do you do it? Or what's the trick or da, 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 you know, all these things, whatever. And, and I say what you just said, it's, I love learning. I, I'm curious. I, I, if I don't know something, even if it makes me uncomfortable, which again, sometimes I think that's some of the greatest moments, right. Is yeah. to wake up every day and be curious and not to listen. We all have bad days. Sure. But I think overall, it's if you wake up with that spirit and that curiosity and wanting to learn, wanting to be a student, that's what keeps you going. That's what that's what gives you dewy skin. I mean, come on. Right. right? <laughs> come on. That, listen, you, you don't have to pay for a smile. I mean, you can. Like, right. whatever, yeah. but it's, it's that joy. It's right. And it's about sharing. Right. It's about yeah. sharing our stories. It's about not holding it inside. Yeah. It's it's about doing the work, like what you're doing again, which when you told me that you were on this journey right now and that you, you know, had, had take, you're taking the time, you know, to invest in yourself, to grow as a person, to grow as a human, to grow as a member of society, to do all these things, right. To learn more about yourself. I was like, go on girl. All right. Right. on. Because again, that, that to me, that's what we should all be doing every right. single day and sharing our stories. Absolutely. If you had one piece of advice in the sense of something that you learned in, in your story, this journey, if there's something that you would want to share in a part of even the story that you shared with us that you would want to say today, what do you think would be one of those things? And it could be a few things. I mean, it's so cheesy and so cliche, but it's like I, all along I was perfect just the way I was. You know, and that that doesn't mean that any that I regret any of like medical yes. transition or anything like that. But inside where I was, I was always perfect just the way I was. And I didn't need to become something else because mm -hmm. the world's going to change me and turn me into the person I'm supposed to be. Like, I really, truly believe that. And, you know, it's like. Yeah, if if the the piece of the piece of my story is that like I'm I'm constantly continually growing into the person that I want to be. I love that. I love that, and I love you. I love you too. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. You, you so just much. You, you, oh, please, you fill my heart. I, honestly, I just I love and adore you. And thank you for being a part of this. And everyone, thank you for listening. Not just pretty pictures is hosted by me, Eric Rutherford. Produced by Courtney and Phineas of Stereotype Studio. Supported by you, the listener. A big thank you to our friends who shared their stories with us. If you want to support the show, please subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.